the one-on-one post-game report. Welcome to the Rose Hill Studios with our one-on-one post-game report. As you heard, Fordham defeated Yale 52-31, making them 8-0 on the year the first time in school history with that. They won the Yale Bolt, the Yale Cup today. That's only the second time they've been able to do that. I'm Kelly Coltis, and I'll be along with all the highlights in just a bit. And then we'll open up the phone lines for you. So write down this number. It's 718-817-2752. Once again, 718 718- 817-2752. We'll open those up after the highlights. But right now we're going back to Mike and Nick and hopefully Coach Moorhead and Chris. Guys. Thanks. And Joe Moorhead just outran Chris Morasco to the sideline and now works back to midfield talking with Yale's coach. Fordham 52, Yale 31. The Rams a winner here, moved to 8-0. Chris Morasco has Joe Moorhead at midfield. Chris? Thanks, guys. Coach, first off, congrats on another big win. You come out in the first half. It's a fairly close game. Then the second half, you guys really tack on with the offense. What do you make your team's performance today? No, it's what they've done all season. They've come, they came out and played a complete game on offense, defense, and special teams. It certainly wasn't clean. There's a lot of areas that we're going to have to you know, get fixed and clean up, but, you know, we found a way to win. A lot of the talk, even from the Yale fans, is that you guys just have so many threats offensively to throw the ball to, running the ball. How nice has that been for you to really open up the offense and what you can do with that? It's great. And the thing that uh, the thing that makes it difficult for defenses, I believe, is you can't key on one thing. If you key on the run game, we have the ability to beat with the pass and vice versa. So to have a lot of weapons at our disposal uh, you know, really helps us offensively. And some huge plays from Ajala downfield. How about the connection between him and Ebert today? No, it's a great connection. Sam's done a tremendous job since last season. Uh, embracing the uh, fundamental and technique aspect of the game and, and the mental part of it to go along with his tremendous physical tools, and it's, it's paid off for him. He's done an awesome job. Coach, finally, you pick up another win on the road. You remain undefeated. Now you head into your bye week. How nice is it to have a week off to rest up and to prepare for your next week's game? We need it. I mean, we need it like heck. I mean, we're nicked up. We got guys with bumps and bruises and, you know, playing eight. Looks like we lost Chris down there as he was. Healthy and ready. All right, Coach, thanks so much. Thank you. There we go. Now we've got Chris Morasco back with us. Thank you very much, Chris. Much appreciated. Fordham comes away with a 52-31 to win. The Rams now 8-0, Yale 3-2. We send it back to the Bronx for the one-on-one postgame report with Kelly Coltis. Kelly? Phone lines are going to be open. The phone lines are open to 718-817-2752. If you want to give us a call, we'll put you on after the highlights. The final score is 52-31, but how did we get there? We're going to start all the way back at the opening kickoff because there was a lot of action just 30 seconds into the game. Fordham would receive the opening kickoff at their own 27, and on the second play of the game, Michael Niebrick would find Sam Ajala for his first score of many. Play action, drops back, he looks, throws deep up the left side. Ajala gets under it, makes the catch at the 30. Inside the 15, all alone, and walks in for the score. Touchdown, Fordham. 68 yards on the second play from scrimmage, and Fordham leads 6-0 with 14.25 to go in the first and the extra point on the way. And the extra point would be good, so Fordham would have a very early 7-0 lead in this game, a lead they would not relinquish. Yale would then return the ensuing kickoff all the way back to the Fordham 35, but then four plays later, Ian Williams would come up big and stop him there. And Varga sidecar to his left, he takes. He throws to Varga out of the backfield, and he's hit as he makes the catch at the 21-yard line. Ball might be loose, but he was down, and now they're saying it was loose. Fordham gets the football. Varga fumbles at the 21. Ian Williams made the tackle, and Fordham's got the ball. And Fordham, unfortunately, would go three and out there, so Yale would start the next, their next drive at their own 38. Four plays later, Henry Furman would run it all the way down to the Fordham seven-yard line. 
But on second and goal, Varga would cough it up again. Quick handoff up the middle. Ball's loose in the backfield, and Fordham's on it at the nine-yard line. Brett Beestick is on it out of Sheehan High School, and Fordham's got the football. How's that for a homecoming? Wow. Second fumble of the game by Yale, and the Rams get the ball again. And now bring back in Mike and Nick here. Guys, this is the start of many. There were six turnovers in this game. What were you guys thinking there as Varga coughed it up for the second time so early on? Uh, it, it was just really incredible because we knew how talented this guy was as a running back. And uh, it looked like Yale was knocking on the door to stay in this game and be competitive. And then they just give it right back to Fordham. Uh, it, it was a big turning point in this game for Fordham. And it, it helped them control the, the whole first half. Even though the, the first quarter wasn't particularly good for any team, it, it was just huge for Fordham to stop them. And now speaking of those turnovers, Fordham would then take over at their own four. The Rams would drive the ball all the way down to the Yale 22, but then Michael Niebrick would make a mistake on his next throw. Niebrick gets the snap and drops back, throws, intercepted over the middle of the field, run out across the 30-yard line, up the far sideline, and Schmittingen's makes the interception over the middle and gets knocked down at the 36. Niebrick makes the tackle. He airmailed it right to him about five yards beyond the line of scrimmage. His second pick of the year in Yale forces in a huge turnover. And then the Bulldogs wouldn't be able to capitalize. They'd go three and out. Fordham would get the ball back, but they'd end up going backwards at their own 35. It'd be third and 16. And then Michael Niebrick would make yet again another mistake, just his third on the year. Niebrick in the gun, 3.20 to go first quarter. Four to my seven, third and 16 from their own 29. Gets the waist high, snap, drops back, under pressure, throws left side. Incomplete and intercepted off the hands of Marcus Jones. It was intercepted by Cole Champion. His third interception of the year, and the Rams drop on uh, Marcus Jones, falls right into the hands of Champion, and Yale gets the ball back. It's a turnover fest. So, Mike, Mike, I got to ask you here, watching Michael Niebrick play, like you said, he's only thrown one before this game. What was with him in the first quarter here throwing two picks? One, uh, Absolutely. And you think back to this, that, that I thought that was going to be a really poor turning point in the game, but it ended up working out that Fordham was able to come up, I believe, with a stop that possession or came back the next possession and scored and, and really stemmed that tide, Kelly. All right, well, Mike, like you said, Yale would then get the ball in great field position after that interception, and on the third play of the drive, Furman would take it in himself. One receiver to the left and three wide to the right. Cody in the slot along with Randall and Little, the receiver on the right, numbers. It's another play action. Run to the left side. Inside the five, Furman dives for the end zone and gets in for the score. Touchdown, Yale. Fordham 7, Yale 6, 2.18 to go in the first quarter, and Yale looked to tie it on the PAT. And that PAT would be good, so it would be all knotted up at 7 with 2.18 there left in the first quarter. Yale would kick off to the Fordham 34, and it would take the Rams five plays to get down to Yale's 29-yard line. And then Niebrick would find Ajala for the second time today. Niebrick gets the snap and drops back. He looks, play action, now he throws deep over the middle of the field. It's caught in the end zone for the touchdown. Sam Ajala for the score. Fordham takes a 13-7 lead with 22 seconds left in the first, and the Rams on the board again. Okay, now, Mike, I got to ask there, did you realize it would be a special day there between Niebrick and Ajala? Like we said, that was just their second touchdown, and we, we'll get to it later, but they had two more. Did you see something going on between them right then and there? 
you know, not really. I mean, it was the 68-yarder in the second half where I'm like, whoa, what, what's happening here? <laughs> I mean, it was, it was deja vu, which is, is what Nick said at the time. That's when it really became clear to me that this was going to be a record-breaking day. I knew it was going to be a good day. I thought it was going to be a Tabucky Jones last week where he drops 183 yards in a, uh, in a performance like this. But four touchdowns, most he's ever scored in his career. Uh, high school, collegiate, peewee. That, that's what he told me a few weeks ago on Monday Night QB and, and uh, 249 yards. I, I don't think anyone could have expected that after just two touchdowns. All right, guys, so then after that, Yale would get the ball back at their own 23. They'd put in backup quarterback Morgan Roberts. He would come in for different drives throughout the game. But then four plays later, they would have to punt. So Fordham would start at their own 20 with 12.26 to go in the half. They'd take a steady seven-play drive to get them down to the 25-yard line, but a sack of Michael Niebrick would bring in Miranda for a 44-yard attempt. Snap back. Wetzel with the hold. The kick is up. It's got the distance, and it is good through the uprights. 44 yards for Mike Mirando, and the Rams extend their lead 17-7 with 7.45 to go in the second quarter. So then after the score there, Yale would start at their own 28 and put together a 10-play drive to get them all the way down inside the Fordham red zone, down to the 14. But then for the third time today, Yale would cough it up. Furman takes play action, now rolls to the right. Ball's loose at the 15-yard line, and it looks like Fordham's got it. And a flag on the play as Jake Dixon ripped his helmet off and ran to the sideline. Maybe not his best call. But Fordham's got the football at the 17-yard line. Furman fumbles. And, Nick, how big was the fumble there, do you think, in changing the landscape of the game? Oh, it was huge because you're talking about going into halftime only down by three points potentially because by that situation, Yale was in position to throw the ball into the end zone. They had at least three opportunities to put the ball in the end zone, at least get three points out of it, if nothing else. So you're talking about a 10-point deficit at halftime when it could have been less than that in this situation. So giving that away back to Fordham, it, it was huge for the landscape of this game because a 10-point deficit going into halftime against this offense, which is such a high-powered offense, was, was too much for this Yale team to handle. So speaking of that high-powered offense, the Rams would then get the ball back at their own nine, and Michael Niebrick would find somebody other than Sam Ajala for a big play. First and ten from their own nine, 333 to go in the second. Taking his Niebrick, play action, drops the throw, throws it deep over the middle of the field. Tabucky Jones makes the catch at the 50, and he's ridden down from behind at the 42. Rimashevsky made the tackle in the Rams with a 50-yard gain. But unfortunately, Michael Niebrick would be sacked a couple plays later, and they would be unable to score, so they'd have to punt. Yale would then get the ball back at their own 14, looking to score before the half. Three plays into the drive, a huge pitch and catch to Wallace would get the Bulldogs to the Rams 38. A roughing the passer call would then put the Bulldogs down to the 26. Yale would then try a 43-yard field goal, but Kyle Cazetta would hook it, putting the game into halftime with the Rams up 17-7. So, guys, I got to ask you, with the final score, 52-31, it's now 17-7 at halftime. Did you expect this big second-half explosion from the Rams? You know, I was looking through the history of the series, and the most points scored by either team in the six games these two teams have played since 1950 was, I believe, 36 points by Yale in the third or fourth matchup. And I went, oh, well, it looks like we aren't breaking that, and the Rams broke it in the third quarter. So, no, I, I didn't think it was going to be 52 points. I thought Fordham would pick it up in the second half few less turnovers and maybe convert some more uh you know possessions into points but i didn't see 52 coming absolutely not 
So then at the start of that second half, Yale would start at their own nine after a little sloppy return there on the kickoff. The Bulldogs would go three and out. So Fordham would then get the ball back at their own 31. And on the second play of the drive, we would experience, as Nick put it, some deja vu with Niebrick to Ajala. Niebrick in the shotgun, takes and fakes the bubble screen to the left. Now looks, throws deep over the middle. Ajala makes the catch at the 40, gets around one tackle, and breaks it up in between the hashes to the 15 and walks it into the end zone for the score. Touchdown, Fordham. Another 68-yard touchdown throw to Sam Ajala, his second 68-yard touchdown of the game. He had zero three-touchdown games in his life coming into the year. He's now got two this year, Lehigh, and now today. And then the extra point by Miranda would be good after that huge touchdown there, giving the Rams a 24-7 lead with 12-13 to go in the third quarter. The Bulldogs would try to answer. They'd start on their own 30. Varger would run for seven on the first play of the drive, but then Brett Bistek was ejected for targeting, targeting Morgan Roberts, the quarterback, on the option play. That'd be a huge loss for the Rams' defense. With the He was ejected after that, like we said. That would bring the Bulldogs all the way to the Rams' 48-yard line, Varga and Roberts would then run it six plays down to the three. But on third and goal, Varga would get pushed back, so Cazetta would come in for his second field goal attempt. Cazetta, 0 for 1 today from 44. This is about a 17-yard try. Kick is up, and it is good. He's 1 for 2 on the game with that about 18-yard try. 24 points for Fordham, now 10 for Yale. It's a two-possession game, 7.06 to go in the third. Guys, got to go back a little bit there with the Brett Bistek play. What did you guys see there? What was going on in both of your minds when he was ejected there? Well, Kelly, it was a basic option play, and Yale had run that play previously throughout the course of the game and, and had actually burnt Fordham several occasions when the quarterback had taken the ball himself. So Brent Bistek was the defensive end on that side. He was playing assignment football, and so his job is to stick with the quarterback wherever he goes. The Roberts ends up running to that sideline and pitches the ball. And after he had pitched the ball, that's when B-Stick hits him. But in B-Stick's defense, he didn't know. Like, it's his job. It's his assignment to stay with the quarterback. So he's supposed to hit the quarterback whether or not he has the ball. Ref said that the the hit was too high, and so he gets ejected. And that's just the type of call that Fordham's going to have to live with because these referees are calling the games to protect the players. And it's a borderline play, and you could disagree with it if you like, but it's something we're going to have to live with. Yeah, and Kelly, just to break in for a moment, it's worth noting, when we were at Patriot League Media Day earlier this year, they announced new head-targeting rules in relation to uh, the FCS level of college football. And what, if memory serves, they said was if a player is ejected in the second half for targeting a defenseless player, which I suppose with Morgan's head turned away to try and pitch the ball, he would be. He would be ejected from the first half of the following game. If it occurs in the first half, he would just be ejected for the remainder of the game. So I'm not sure if that's the rule that was invoked in this case, but if it is, the Rams could be without Brett Bistick in a very important Patriot League matchup the first game out of the bye week here in two weeks. Oh, absolutely, Mike. So like you said, good putting it in context there. So we'll keep our eyes on that. Keep you updated on the whole B-Stick situation going forward. But now back to the highlights. After that field goal, it would be 24-10 Fordham lead with 7.06 to go in the third. The Bulldogs would try an onside kick, but it would go out of bounds, giving the Rams some great field position. Ajala would make it 20, two first down catches, excuse me, and the Rams would get down to the Bulldogs 11. 
Two plays later, Jared Creighton would take it in himself. Rams right back to the line of scrimmage. Three receivers set. It's a handoff up the middle. Creighton inside the five. Into the pile. Looks to get towards the goal line. And he is in for the touchdown. He pushed the pile three yards into the end zone. And the Rams extend their lead 30-10 to with 4.33 to go in the third. And the extra point on the way. And just a reminder, the phone lines are open, 718-817-2752. Give us a call. We're almost done with all these highlights, and as soon as we get through them, we'll put your call straight through, talk to Mike and Nick, and bring them back in to talk about the game, what you saw, what you're looking forward to about Fordham Rams football. Once again, the number is 718-817-2752. So back to the game highlights. After the Jared Creighton touchdown, the Bulldogs would then start at their own 31, but they wouldn't stay there for long. Rich would break uh, break off a run for 59 yards, taking it down inside the red zone of Fordham. And three plays later, Roberts would find Randall. Third down and five from the Fordham six. Randall in motion into the slot from the backfield now on the right. Roberts takes the snap, bringing the house, throw to the right side. It's caught at the goal line and in for the touchdown. Deion Randall, his fourth touchdown of the year, and Yale strikes back quickly. They trim the Fordham lead now 31-16 Rams with 2.38 to go in the third. So then Jared Creighton would then get the ensuing kickoff all the way back up to the Fordham 40. Ajala would then catch a pass for 18 yards. Kuntz would have two rushes, one for seven, one for two. And Niebrick would take it all the way down to the three-yard line of Yale himself. An illegal substitution would back the Rams up to the seven, but that was no problem for Niebrick. Niebrick alone in the backfield. He takes the quarterback, keeper to the left. He runs into the end zone and holds the ball out and kicks his legs in for the score. Touchdown, Fordham. Michael Niebrick, seven yards for the Fordham touchdown. And the extra point would be good, so the Fordham Rams would go up 45-17. to 17. And, Nick, you mentioned earlier in the game the fact that you wanted to see Niebrick run the ball more. What did you think of there, his touchdown run? It's great because he, he had been – doing this zone run play with Carlton Kuntz pretty much the entire game, and it hadn't been all that effective. And I'd been waiting for him to run the ball as he did on that drive. And when he got the opportunity to actually run the, drive, run the ball, we saw how effective it could be, and it ended up leading to a touchdown. All right, so then on the next drive, the Bulldogs would go three and out, punting to the Fordham 31. The Rams would need seven plays to get to the Yale 34, but then Niebrick would just find one to find who else the record-breaking Sam Ajala. Second down and 11 coming from the 34 of uh, Yale, taking the snap and throwing it deep over the middle of the field for Ajala, makes the catch in the end zone for the touchdown. 34 yards, and could this day get any better for King Ajala? 44-17, Fordham with 12.28 to go in the fourth. All right, Mike, I got to ask you there about Sam Ajala's record-breaking day. What did you think of his performance? I thought you were going to ask me about his nickname. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I am the guy that calls him King Ajala on the radio. That would be me to the to the uh, excellent tweeter who sent in his question. We're also taking tweets, by the way, at WFUV Sports. Uh, I, I this is the most dominant performance from a receiver I've ever seen at the FCS level. And I've been watching Fordham football now for three years and seen varied FCS over the years and you know before that. I, I, he was open every single time he released, and Niebrick sometimes decided to share with the other receivers. That's what it felt <laughs> like. I mean, he was open on the sideline. He, he came open in the middle a couple of times for deep passes. He caught short outs on third down and shorts to get first downs. 
did a little bit of everything, and he finished with, I think it was 280-some yards. This was a dominant performance. Well, then after his big touchdown there, the Rams would go up 45-17 with 12-28 to go in the fourth quarter. The Bulldogs would start the ne- their next drive at their own 33, and running back Rich would take it over from there. He'd run on four of the six plays before he would take it himself all the way from midfield. 48-yard touchdown run for him. The extra point would be good, so it would be 45-24 to with 10:41 left in the game. Fordham would get the ball back, but they would go three and out. So Yale would start their next drive around their own 25. But two plays later, Yale would turn it over yet again. Taking the snap on second and six from his own 28. Thrown over the middle and almost intercepted. Now it's pulled in. Hancock up the far sideline at the 25. Inside the 20 and run out of bounds at the 15. And Nick, you said that ball seemed to hang up in the air there for so long. How was Hancock able to pull it in after all that juggling? Well, he... It looked like he tipped it like three times, and it just stayed suspended in the air for it seemed like an eternity. But uh, it was able to, he was able to then bring it in after he had tipped it to himself three times, and it, it just was a great play by him to great concentration to keep track of the ball. All right, so then Fordham obviously get the ball back at their own fifth at excuse me the Yale fifteen. Pete Matzel would come in at quarterback. Creighton would remain in at starting running back, and five plays later, Creighton would take it into the end zone. Third and goal from the one, a handoff. Creighton works his way into the end zone for the touchdown. Walked it in, and the Rams extend their lead. It's 51-24, Fordham over Yale with 5.20 to go in the fourth. The Rams, their fourth 50-point outburst of the year, and the extra point is on the way. And that extra point would be good, so Fordham would now have a 52-24 lead. But the Bulldogs weren't done just yet. They would start at the 24 and take it all the way down to the Fordham 29 five plays later. Then Roberts would find Randall for the score, and that would cut the Fordham lead to 52-31 with 2.31 left in the game. But Fordham would recover the onside kick, and the ball would stay with them to close out the game. The final score was 52-31, like we said. A lot of records in this game. We had Sam Majala set the record. Like Mike said, he had 282 yards plus his four touchdown catches. Michael Niebuhr came so close with his 421 yards passing to break John Skelton's record here at Fordham for passing yards in a game. But right now, we're going to turn to our phone lines, which we have open. A reminder for those of you who haven't called in yet, our phone lines are open. The number is 718 and our first caller, I know, Kevin, we've been keeping you on the line for a while here, getting through all those highlights, but Kevin from Rhode Island has a question here asking us, does does Coach Moorhead, something about Coach Moorhead here, does Coach Moorhead leave? Throwing to Kevin. Yeah, hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Um, with, with the season that you're having, um, it just seems logical that at some point uh, – the coach would probably get some overtures from uh, from 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 other schools. Just wanted to know uh, your thoughts on that, especially with the fact that he came from Connecticut, and you know the Connecticut job is somewhat open at this point. All right, Mike, we're going to throw it to you guys. What do you think about this? I spoke with Joe Moorhead two weeks ago when the UConn coach was fired, and he told me specifically they hadn't called. He wouldn't pick up the call at this point if they did because it's not fair to his team, and I I could not agree with him more. Uh, Look, I've said now for probably a couple of weeks that Joe Moorhead will stay here probably a year longer than he should because he's a Fordham alum. Uh, He brought Michael Niebrick here, who is a, I believe, athletic, sophomore, academic junior, uh, with that knee injury in the red shirt. Uh, that said, uh, I, I, I have a lot of trouble seeing Joe Moorhead 
um, maybe elite. Obviously, he's not going anywhere this year. He's he's here. He's here for the year, obviously. But looking forward to next year, I, I don't think it's a done deal that he's going to leave. It would it would take something really special to get him to up and leave Fordham like that. I, I think. And I think especially too, Mike, like you said, too, more as a Fordham guy. I think that. Like you said, he'll stick with it for a little bit of time. And now we're going to go to our next caller. We have Jarrett from Washington, D.C. Jarrett, talking about the FCS, what, how do we think Fordham stacks up in the FCS? Uh, hey, guys. Uh, so uh, I, I will admit that uh, this is the first year I have been following this team. <laughs> uh, I'm, a, uh, I'm a 2001 alum, and uh, it's been it's, it's been a while uh, for me. And I don't know the FCS as well as I should. But uh, if you if you look at say, uh, like a Towson or an Eastern Washington or a Montana State, respectively ranked 7, 6, and 5 right now. Um, how do you guys think that we uh, look in, uh, you know, maybe I don't want to look too far ahead, but if we're looking at the playoffs, if we look at a, at a uh, you know, at that bid, at that, uh, that at-large bid, um, how far do we get, how far is it possible for us to get is somebody like a Towson or a, or a North, Dakota, North Dakota State so good uh, is so far above the rest of the of the pack in the FCS that really we're only looking at like maybe the semifinals if we're lucky. Yeah, thanks for the call. And I will say this: uh, Fordham beat Villanova at home. Uh, Villanova took Towson to task on the road, uh, mm. I believe, two weeks ago now. So that's always a good common opponent. And Villanova has a very similar quarterback in John Robertson to what Fordham has. I will say 50 points a game or whatever it is. I think Fordham's now at about 43 with today's game factored in. Uh, really translates regardless. I think the skill position players are among the best. Uh, North Dakota State, I, I, I can't make really any forecast as to whether or not Fordham could compete with them because Fordham's never at any point in time, even when they weren't that good, play a team like that. So it's tough to say. Fordham probably wouldn't see them till later. If they were to win out, they'd probably be a week one bye. You would think they'd yeah. probably move up to five, six, or seven. Nick. Yeah, uh, yeah, I would think. And in terms of North Dakota State, uh, they're a very different style team mm -hmm. from what I've heard uh, than Fordham is. They're, they more they run more of a, a power style of uh, uh, old fashioned style of smash mouth football which is something that Fordham hasn't really seen so far. So a blueprint hasn't really been laid for that kind of a matchup. But in terms of how Fordham can compete nationally, I think if you look at the skill position players, as Mike was saying, I, I think those type of numbers that they're putting up are, are type of numbers that they would be able to put up against any team that they, they play. So I, I think the chances so this are is, pretty this high. Is not, this is not what you would call like a, a – a, I don't know, like a weak Patriot League schedule. I would not. I would not say that. I'll at say all. the Patriot League. Colgate had a rough go. The Ivies actually won the season series with the Patriot League. That said, uh, Lehigh is a very good team. Villanova mm -hmm. is a prime CAA team. The Rams beat Temple, who, regardless yeah, of what record is in FBS, mm -hmm. you got 20 more scholarships. You play where the Eagles play. And you, mm -hmm. you, you know, you're probably paying your coach five times as much. You know, it's it's things like <laughs> that where the facilities are better, and you've got you know eight extra coaches to recruit and all this, uh, you know, that goes into it. So, I, yeah. don't don't get me wrong. Yeah. I, I could see where people would say, okay, well, they're gonna go beat up on you know 
Columbia and it's going to look good, but yeah. is it real? Well, I, I think there are teams that Fordham has played that give you a good idea of yeah. where they stack. I, I agree yeah. with Mike. And it, you, we talk about building a resume for an at-large bid. And if you look at the three wins that Fordham has, Lehigh is a perennial power in FCS football. In, not, in the Patriot League, they're pretty much a, a, a lock for the championship, to be in contention for the championship almost every year. Mm-hmm. And uh, they not only did they beat them, but they beat them handily. It wasn't even close in the fourth quarter. And uh, you go back to Villanova, who's nationally ranked as well, and, and they've been playing, as Mike said, Towson. They played them close in – FBS opponents, so I, I think that this schedule that they've played, to, for them to be undefeated right now goes a long way for seeing how well this program has come along because they've had some quality opponents that they've played so far. Awesome. Thanks a lot, guys. Go Rams. Thank you very Thank much. You. All right, guys. Well, like you said, it's an interesting thing to look forward to now going into the upcoming games. Fordham has the bye week. Then we can start looking ahead at some of the other games. But we have a tweet here from at omurray271, and he said... Fordham Rams dominate Yale and win 52-31. WFUV Sports, should we be concerned with all of the rushing yards they're giving up? Mike, Nick, what do you guys think about this? Well, I think it could be a concern when you when you look down the line, as the previous caller talked about, when you, when you talk about playing some of these uh, nationally ranked opponents in terms of FCS playoffs, like a North Dakota State, like a Towson. But in terms of, in terms of that, if you look at, the matchups that Fordham has played this year, you look at a, a game where they played Villanova, you look at a game where they played Temple, and their defensive line was outmatched in those games by a substantial amount of weight in, mm-hmm. that they were giving up. And they played they played right with those other teams, those Villanova and, and uh, Temple. So in terms of that, I think this defense can shut down when it has to, and I think the, the play calling by Dave Blackwell has really stepped up. If you look at this this rushing game that they gave up today, a lot of those yards came in garbage time, uh, especially in the second half of this one. In terms of the first half, they were able to keep Villano- uh, they were able to keep Yale's offense relatively in check. Well, and to continue on that point, don't don't forget Varga led the FCS in all-purpose yards last year. He is an All-American candidate, a Walter Payton candidate. He is a really really good running back and it wasn't actually him who burned the rams it was the backup running back who came in late in the game and used his speed to outrun the rams it was cantley uh, yeah candler rich who who did it so i I look back at it and yeah it's it's a concern but i I agree with nick i mean yes and and i'll say the other thing that was missing in the second half brett beastick yeah who's who's a a end who is an extremely good run defender and he was uh, tossed from the game for that targeting earlier uh, that, we, that we spoke about earlier in the postgame show. Uh, whether you think it was just or not, you can certainly see the Fordham running defense wasn't quite the same. And like you said, Mike, we could be looking forward another half without B-Stack when they come back from their bye, so we'll have to keep an eye on that. Just a reminder, we're going to be on the air until 4, so if you want to call in about Fordham football, the number is 718-817-2752. And we have Freddie, our super fan from the Bronx, on the phone. Freddie, what's going on? How are you doing? Well, I, I, I'm ecstatic. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, 26 years of going to football games, and this is the best year ever from Fordham. But at one point I want to make uh, – we shouldn't be concerned about the playoffs. We should be concerned about the next four games, doing well, and then we see where we go from there. Uh, you know, they're having a great year, 8-0 for the first time in school history. I'm proud of the Florida football team, the coaches, and the university. That's all I have to say. 
Freddie, thank you. And I will say, to add on to that, Holy Cross is really good. We're, we're finding that Holy Cross was leading Colgate the second half. Colgate, no matter how you look at it, has an All-American at quarterback in Gavin McCarney. Uh, they've got a freshman quarterback who is winning Rookie of the Week seemingly every week. Uh, Holy Cross is the next opponent on the schedule, not whoever the heck shows up in the first or second round of the playoffs. Yeah. Because if Fordham yes. loses to Holy Cross and loses, you know, even one game, you know, here's a cautionary tale. Lehigh went 10-1 and one and did make the postseason last year. Yeah. Good wins aside, Fordham needs to either win out or play tight down the stretch they, they really can't afford to lose a game so i agree with you freddie every single yeah. game is important and let it let us be clear uh the only way, reason we're looking ahead is because we had a caller yeah, ask, right. ask about <laughs> we're looking ask, the whole ask about the, the the playoffs that came up and, and you can rest assured that coach joe moorhead is not looking ahead at yeah. all he has this mindset of looking at each week and becoming one and oh for that week so yeah uh, that i i'm pretty sure coach moorhead is well aware of of the challenges for the next couple of weeks for this Fordham team, and, and they will they will be ready for these opponents as they come. And as important as the Ram Crusader Cup is, the Watts Cup is more important because my <laughs> twin brother goes to Holy Cross. I'm not losing that football game. I'm not losing that game. I'll go give the pregame speech. All right. Well, now we have Kevin from Stanford on the line. Kevin, what's going on? Hey, how are you? Great game today. Um, I have a question. So watching the, the last several weeks and then watching today against a, a formidable opponent, and, and they just seem to be getting better, how do you foresee the future in terms of recruiting the Fordham, given, and I think a few minutes ago somebody mentioned about some of the, the larger national um, teams having you know better facilities, more coaching. I'm not sure the more coaching staff is as big a thing, but do you see Fordham making a move into improving the facilities, you know, more of a true football appearance on campus as the team seems to get better? Do you think this is this is what we have and, you know, that this kind of football program will maybe begin to start excelling as we see this year but never really move out of this level? Are you talking about improving the facilities or improving out of FCS? Um, improving the facilities, thereby maybe improving the, the, the – uh, recruits that come in, not not out of FCS, no. Well, in in terms of improving the facilities, we we already had Dave Roach uh, talk to us last week, or the Lehigh game rather, and talk about how they're going to improve putting stands on the away side for big games like Lehigh and like any of the other nationally ranked games that Fordham could potentially have, and uh, I think. Is that answering your question, or did yeah, you want to talk? Is there, no? So I mean, I think it's the, the, the stadium and quotes appearance that's the problem. As it, yeah. you look at these other schools, it's tough to think as a good recruit. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah I, circumstance. Yeah, is there so, a reason and, why they don't have stands on the visitor side all yeah. the time? To answer that, two things. First, there's a fall baseball season, which which continues. Uh, the baseball field is across the way. There's intramurals. There's different teams that need it to practice during the fall. Uh, they can't really afford Even the soccer team um, might, might set up goals uh, sideways, which they do a lot to get everyone involved during practice. So really, uh, there is a reason for it. I will say that Dave Roach told us that I believe it was a $3.5 million yeah. turf renovation mm-hmm. uh, that is coming next year, which if you've seen Murphy Field, uh, I know there are pictures on FordhamSports.com of the new field turf they have there, it's going to be beautiful. Uh, and once they get that in, you got turf, 
You have the potential for new stands, which Dave Roach hints, uh, hinted at. And, and then, you know, you're starting to kind of move towards a, a more uh, realistic uh, long-term home for Fordham football if they can keep this up. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, now, Mike, Nick, you guys mentioned it. Mike, you mentioned it in your interview with Coach Moorhead before. I have a question here. Looking about going forward here, how does Coach Moorhead keep this team focused? Now, with all the hype around them, like we said, 8-0 for the first time in school history here. You have Ajala coming off a huge day, Niebuhr coming off a huge day. How do you keep all these guys in check, keep them focused throughout the bye week, and then looking just at Holy Cross and not looking too far ahead like our one caller mentioned? Well, it, it's been a mindset that Coach Moorhead has established pretty much since the get-go in this season. And at first it was to make it so that no one couldn't talk about you. So make it so that it was impossible for them not to notice you nationally. And he's done that with an 8-0 start. You already saw the New York Times, New York Post talking about this Fordham program. Yes, did a, a feature piece on this program. And how does he keep them focused? By taking it one week at a time win the week is has been the mantra for coach joe moorhead go one and oh this week and then don't look ahead to next week just focus on the task at hand and that is how he keeps this team grounded and so far it's worked okay now guys once we said we're going to be on the air for about 25 more minutes here talking fordham football remember you can call in at 718-817-2752 you can also tweet us at wfuv sports so feel free to do so either way like i said guys call the number is 718-817-2752 if you'd like to get on now mike nick looking back at some of the numbers from today fordham was able to put up 615 total yards of offense what does that say about them as an offensive powerhouse in this FCS? Like we said, Ajala is going to be one of the leaders in touchdowns in the FCS soon. He's very close. How is Fordham matching up against other FCS offensive powerhouses? Well, I think if you look at the players that they have in the skilled positions, you have Sam Ajala on the outside. You have Tabucky Jones on the outside. And combine that with Wetzel in the slot position and then a talented tight end like Dan Light that you have, those are some powerful weapons that you have. And when a defense is looking at stopping you, if they take away one of your weapons, each any one of those guys can step up and have a monster game. This week it was Sam Ajala. Next week it could be Tabucky Jones. The week after it could be Brian Wetzel. You just never know with this team, not to mention the fact that you have a running back in Carlton Koontz who's getting some more rest with the emergence of Jared Creighton. So, And you also have a quarterback in Michael Niebrick, who's leading the league, who was leading the league coming into today in completion efficiency. And uh, so you add all those together, and you have a pretty high-powered offense. And it makes it very difficult for t defenses to game plan around you because they don't know exactly who to get. There's not one person that they can solely focus in on and game plan around to shut down this team. They're a very dynamic offense. Okay, and guys, we have another caller on the line now. We have Harry from Greenwich, Connecticut. Harry, what's going on? Harry, you still there? Yeah. So, Harry, what's going on here? What's on your mind about Fordham football? Well, I've been watching Florida football uh, with being with my father as a youngster in the polo ground and probably for 65 years now. I graduated in 55 and the war in 59. Uh, I think Joe Morehouse is doing an incredible job. However, about uh, Holy Cross, it was in 1940, 1941 that BC was undefeated going into the last game with Holy Cross. 
And uh, Holy Cross was uh, medium level at the time. The PC booked a Coconut Grove nightclub for a victory party. They had a bowl bid, and they were on their way. Holy Cross beat them. Upset, huge upset. The party was uh, canceled as far as uh, BC was concerned, but there was a fire in that club that night. Hundreds of people couldn't get out because the door o- doors opened in rather than out. It was a scandal and a horrible result. But if Holy Cross had one, they would have been there and they would have been lost. So the notion is Holy Cross is capable of pulling an upset against a rival, such as Fordham, as it was a PC back then. Watch Harry, Harry, thank you very much for the call. And I've been speaking with a couple people around the program now for a couple of days now. Uh, just uh, kind of looking forward a little bit. Uh, really, none of the players wanted to talk about it, but was able to get a coach to, to just say, you know, what, what the Ram Crusader Cup means to them. So you, you can't overlook it. You can never overlook it. It's, it's a rivalry game. Coach Moorhead says coming into the year, I want a winning non-conference record. I want to win the, the Liberty Cup. I want to win the Ram Crusader Cup. And I want to win the Patriot League and make a run for a national championship. That's, that's a good uh, year for him. Peter Pujols, by the way, is the stud freshman quarterback who has 11 touchdowns and one pick this year in five games, three started for Holy Cross. The Crusaders have a really good rookie quarterback, a freshman, and if you overlook Holy Cross, even at home, I agree with Harry, you are going to be regretting the fact that your perfect season is over. All right, well, just like we said before, guys, the phone lines are going to be open for another 20 minutes. The phone number is 718-817-2752. Mike, I hear you have some fantastic tweets we have to hear about. What do you have going on? Yeah, absolutely. Kenny Ducey, who's been tweeting in the back at WFUV Sports, uh, happened to mention that this is the best start Fordham has had since, and I'm, I'm looking in the media guide to double-check this, 1886 when unknown coach with unknown captain went 28-0. and uh, Kenny's comment on that was uh, the Fordham Reserves uh, were, were maybe the toughest uh, team on that schedule. The local athletic club might have been there as well. And as Connell McShane, a WFUV alum who's on uh, Imus in the morning and over on Fox Business Channel tweets to us, he says he believes Bob Ahrens, our executive sports producer, played tight end for local athletic club. <laughs> Uh, which uh, I don't know how much Fordham won that game by. But, uh, you know, coming into this game, we, we mentioned in the pregame open that it had been 76 years since Yale had a Heisman winner and 76 years since Fordham was unbeaten through eight games. They were 7-0-1 with a scoreless tie with Pitt. Uh, Bob is also 76. So I, I think uh, we have made enough Bob as old jokes for, for one broadcast, guys. All right, guys. Well, back here looking at the stats from today's game. We never got around to your players of the game. There's so many different ones to choose from here. We haven't looking, done that yet? No, we never got around to that, actually. <laughs> we, get, we bypassed wow, that a long time ago. What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, like we said, guys, there's so many to choose from. I'm looking at the numbers here. I mean, on both sides, even two. You look at Rich coming in for Yale. I don't know how you guys are going to do this very tough decision. Nick, I say we start with you. Oof, putting me me on the spot here, but uh, I guess for Yale, I'm going to have to go Deion Randall. Uh, He was just the offensive target for them all day long. 60 yards, two touchdowns with a long of 23. 
and uh, he kept them in the game for a good majority of it. And then switching over to the Fordham side, I know Watts is probably thinking this is his guy, but I'm going to steal it from him. And it has to be, it has to be Sam Ajala. Uh, 282 <laughs> yards, four touchdowns, along of 68. Like, how how could I not pick King Ajala as Mr. Mike Watts put it. Yeah, well, it's easy when that's his uh, Twitter. Uh, when, when that's his Twitter handle, he makes <laughs> the nicknames really simple for me. Uh, for Yale, I just I don't know why Henry Furman left the game. He didn't throw any interceptions. He was 14 of 18, 83 yards. He was sacked a couple times, but he had an, a couple of nice runs. He had 64 positive yards, 22 yards lost on those sacks. So he, I thought he was pretty effective. He ran for a touchdown. I, I don't think he was the problem. But he's the guy who ended up uh, maybe taking the blame. The backup, Morgan Roberts, played okay. He's a Clemson transfer who sat behind uh, Taj Boyd, uh, the Heisman well. candidate. Yeah, he's yeah, doing, he's doing, he's doing well. okay. I understand why he didn't play uh, in transfer. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, so I, I, I think Henry Furman maybe got uh, you know the short end of the stick. But, you know, Handler Rich was really good. I mean, even again, even in garbage time, he was really good. And, and for Fordham, I, I think, you know, you look at Carlton Kuntz. He, he had a good day once, I think, Niebrick started to decide to run. Sam Ajala is, is the hands-down player of the game for Fordham. You can make an argument for Mike Niebrick, who uh, was, I think, over uh, 75% in completions. He was, what, 19 to 26 as I look at it now. Uh, four touchdowns, two picks. That's tough. Uh, but 421 yards, he almost broke the Fordham record. He, he has the second most passing yards in a game behind John Skelton, who is he, is he currently? I think he's in the NFL. He, is he still with? <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, so uh, I would say, you know, look, it, it, you could you could give it to Ajala, you could give it to Nebrick. It's it's a, someone, you know, someone had to throw it for someone to catch it. It was impressive. And now, guys, we go into the bye week this week. With the, Like we said, the bye week's coming up this week now. With Fordham, does that hurt them at all, though? Because the momentum right now is in their favor. It's 8-0. Or does it really help them because they get a chance to get some guys like Alex Washington, who left the game today injured, get some of these injured guys healthy. Maybe Tanuta comes back after the bye week. What do you guys think about the effects of the bye week on this team? I talked to Mike Niebrick earlier this week, and what he told me was, we're all nicked up. We're all banged up. Everyone on the team is dealing with an injury, you know, even a – you know, it sounds ridiculous, but a stubbed toe when you keep playing on it for eight weeks, when it's, you know, an ankle you twisted week two and you never sat out. You know, Wetzel has, has hurt his ankle, sprained it a couple different times where we've seen him hobble off the field with ankle injuries. A week for those guys is enormous. Eli Tenuta is scheduled to come back, according to Joe uh, Moorhead. He expects him back for Holy Cross. Uh, you've got guys like Alex Washington. Jordan Chapman was banged up against Georgetown. Carlton Coons played with a broken finger for the first four weeks of the season while it healed. So even guys like him, who I don't think people really knew he was injured because of how well he played, uh, everyone on this team is banged up. And a week off is the best possible thing Fordham could have ordered. Okay, now, guys, just wrap it up here. What are your final thoughts on today's big 52-31 victory over Yale? I think it's another big convincing win for this program, and it's, it's huge for this program to be 8-0. And uh, in terms of ranking this opponent, this is not a pushover opponent by any means. This is a team that could very easily could have been 4-0 and coming into this game. And so I think it's just another great offensive performance for this team, and it just puts Fordham, Fordham further into the playoff conversation. Yeah, and uh, to kind of continue off what you said, everything now is about how does Fordham make the playoffs. An at-large bid is 
not as simple as it seems. I said it earlier. Lehigh went 10-1 and last year. Fordham nearly beat Lehigh, by the way, as, as, as most people remember, and obviously they avenged the loss this year. But Lehigh didn't make the postseason. Colgate did, and that's that, that's really tough sailing for a Lehigh team that was very good last year and very good again this year. So going into the next home game, first off, I expect nothing less than a sellout. The Rams have sold out the last two games. It's a rivalry game. You're going to have a big crowd there. Joe Moorhead likes to say at the first three drives, everyone's playing a little bit up. Everyone's maybe focused on, you know, the, the bigness of the game. And then you get back to your execution. So for Fordham, uh, like Coach Moorhead said, around 4 o'clock today, you can start healing your wounds a little bit. Uh, they're going to do that. I'm sure Dave Zippo and his staff, the athletic training staff, are going to work on these guys, get them in great shape to come back against Holy Cross and be ready. I can't imagine a world where Joe Moorhead doesn't have his team ready for a football game. So I think they'll be ready to come out against Holy Cross. And looking forward, this team has already shattered most you know, you know, winning records and, and all these things in terms of where they're at this season. This is a, uh, a renaissance of sorts. Uh, Fordham has, has said to the media now the last couple of weeks, guys like Niebrick and Tabucky and uh, everyone who's talked to the Post and the AP and yes, we don't want to be the seven blocks of granite. We want to be better. And that's lofty expectations, but as of right now, eight games through no one's perfect but this team right now is perfect so Fordham came out they took care of business they were better than Yale I think today Yale had already beaten number 18 on the road in California so Yale is not a a, you know no name you know chum loss where you just kind of throw them out Fordham Fordham was the better team today and now they just focus on the last four games of the Patriot League Kelly all right, guys, thank you so much for your input here. We're going to let you go. I know you've had a long day there calling the game there, so really appreciate all your insights. Looking at some of these numbers in perspective for how they apply to Fordham moving forward as they go forward, we have the um, passing yards, like we said. They have they passed over 450 yards today, total yards of 614 on offense. Their third down efficiency for Fordham was 50%. So like we said, guys, going into the month of November, Something to keep in mind on, too, as the weather starts to get colder and it starts, the season starts to change. We don't know what exactly could go on from them. Time of possession, too, we see here 31 minutes for Fordham compared to Yale's 28. So, you know, the Rams offense, like we said, too, they're very high-powered. They score quickly, but at the same time, too, they know when to keep their defense off the field. They have different... They have different perspectives there as well. And allowing them to keep the clock time of possession running, it gives them an opportunity to keep the defense off the field, to keep the defense healthy at the same time. And like we said, too, guys, just looking at Michael Niebrick here, his performance on the day, just shy of John Skelton, we had him 421 yards. He was 19 for 26, like Mike said, four touchdowns on the day. Two interceptions is somewhat concerning here as we welcome in our producer, oh. Kenny Ducey yeah, here. I'm here now. Back to the mic. So, Kenny, question for you. Were Michael Niebrick's interceptions concerning for you at all? No, nah, not at all. I mean, the guy's only thrown three all year, and or four now, all year. I mean, look, he's he's been very conservative with the football and very smart. Uh, well, three, actually. Three. He only, only threw one today. And, and, yeah, so, I mean, he, look, he's he's been very good with the football. And, look, a lot of people didn't think that he would be this, you know, this good of a decision maker with the football coming into the year because, you know, he's he's a mobile quarterback. He runs around. He tries to make big plays like that. So, you know, you expected maybe at this point 
more than how he has now. So, no, I'm not concerned at all. And, I mean, in a game like this, you're airing it out a lot. You know, you're going deep down the field. It has to be expected. And like you said, Kenny, you know, one interception before today, two on the day today. So not too concerning going forward there with him. But looking at Fordham going forward, Kenny, going into this bye week here, what do we think Fordham has to do to keep up their momentum? Like we said, keep it going. Mike mentioned the fact that it should be another sellout here for Holy Cross two weeks from now. How do you think the enthusiasm around campus helps keep this team focused? I mean, it's great. I mean, when was the last time that you were walking around <laughs> and people, one, were at Fordham games? I mean, like, you know, the fact that they're standing room people only. People actually at the games I mean, Tino boss. Martinez was at standing room only for uh, homecoming. You know, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's ridiculous the fact that this, this many people care about the team now which is awesome and to think and, back uh, our, there's fresh, a great our freshman here. year here it was one in ten when we started here it, they had that one win over columbia and that exactly. was it and now there's an excitement around campus you know oh you know oh my goodness there's michael nebrick people are excited about the team and you know it, it's it's cool that new york you know has a college football team this good and and uh i think that this helps them certainly with the momentum you know um they are excited to I think at this point you beat Yale you know that's your big test and now it's not doesn't get I'm not going to say it gets you know very easy but I mean it's it's easier now you know they're they they can see the finish line they can see an undefeated season and I, I think that that's something that's in reach who do you think their biggest opponent is left I'm looking at their schedule now I'm trying to take a look at who I think I mean like we said they come back they play Holy Cross then they have Bucknell home they go to right. Lafayette and they go to Colgate I'm not sure which one of them scares me the most. I mean, like I said, Holy Cross is kind of just a little nervous. Coming off the bye might be a little rusty. Lafayette hasn't been terrible this year. Colgate's obviously way different than last year. But I I don't know. I don't know which one you think would be the most difficult for them. Honestly, um, I do think that Colgate could be a sneaky game. I, I think that they could because, I mean, in the past they've been good and – Look, the the history's there. I think that they're like maybe the one team that could do it. Um, but I mean, I, I think Holy Cross again. They're a, a decent football team, but they almost lost to Colgate today. And you know, Colgate is is not had a good year. But still, though, I think historically, you know, maybe there's a chance Fordham plays down, or they did actually lose to Colgate today. I mean, maybe there's a chance that Fordham plays down to their opponent. You don't. I mean, with Coach Moorhead, I hope you never not, like see you said, that. Yeah. But, I mean, again, there is always that chance. I mean, you know, the greats do it. You know, the Patriots have done it before. The Saints have done it before, playing down to their opponents. At least, you know, I'm not saying the Saints are the greatest team in NFL <laughs> history, but, but. You know, nowadays. So, I mean, that's maybe one game that I'm looking at. All right, and now I'm looking to going forward here with Michael Niebrick and his wide receivers. He's got so many weapons on this oh, team. Ridiculous. Like we said, Ajala with all he got four touchdowns today. Wetzel had seven going into today. How, I don't know how he keeps them all involved, engaged. I mean, you know, takes down the Eagles because you know some guys want the ball, some guys want right. it more than others. How he balances all that, I give him credit so far. It seems like he finds a receiver each game to target. Tabucky Jones was his big wide receiver from a couple of weeks ago. Today with Sam Ajala. So I, I give him credit for doing this. I don't know how he keeps them all in check with that. Well, yeah, and today, I mean, you know, unfortunately, Marcus Jones couldn't haul it in, but he's like the fourth receiver on this team, and he got him a, at least a, a target or two. And, you know, again, he really does, a, like you said, he does a great job of spreading the ball around. Tabucky Jones is a phenomenal athlete, and he'll Absolutely. usually get the ball in the flat, uh, make a couple moves. You have Wetzel, that who's the slot That big 50-yard catch threat. today from Tabucky. Yeah, exactly. Wetzel's a, a huge threat of the slot. I mean, we talked, or you talked about, I told you through the... <laughs> The uh, great technology we have here that, you know, he, he has seven touchdowns. Ajala now uh, almost up there at the top of the FCS in touchdowns. So they're both catching the ball in the end zone. But, I mean, look, the 
the receivers on this team are endless for him. And then, of course, uh, you have Koontz, who is an ex-wide receiver. You seem to forget about him all and the time he gets buried away. And, and, you know, today, again, was another, you know, quiet day for— Well, not, I mean, quiet day. Ran for 100 yards. 100, 100 yards, but you're you're, you're going to talk about the day that Sam Ajala had. So, I mean, look, I think that there's one thing that's encouraging about this game. It might be Carlton Koontz running 20 times for 102 yards. Because last game, he disappeared. Exactly. And, that's, and look, it's because they've been starting to integrate Jared Green, a little yeah. more. But you don't want to see— Carlton Coons disappear. I mean, he broke the single-season rushing record for Fordham, you know, in in school history. So uh, I think that that's a positive sign that, you know, you got him back and run it, the rushing attack, the passing, it, it, it's all there for, for Fordham. Exactly. Now, looking quickly at the other side of the ball, though, does the rushing numbers kind of worry me. The yards are giving up. They gave up over 350 yards today on the yeah, ground. It's a recurring theme. I do get that it's in garbage time, but it, like I said, is that a concern? I mean, B-Stick was out. We get that. But same thing, too, is if the defensive line keeps letting it up. I mean, Ian Williams, I felt like I heard his name on tackle so many times. If the running back is getting to the cornerback, that's kind of concerning at times. No, this is, this is absolutely something that is not an outlier here. I mean, this is happened uh, every game that you can look back at Fordham uh, over the I think maybe the past four games now I mean you look at Georgetown and they had uh, Campanella who had 52 Barnes had 28 you know I mean, they had uh, 135 yards on the ground combined and you know Lehigh did it of course you know against St. Francis a oh, historic course, day on the yeah. ground so it was I mean right. that's I mean, look if we're talking <laughs> about that they're fine all right and like we said now the final score of today's game 52 Fordham 31 Yale the executive producer of Fordham Sports is Bob Ahrens. The producer of today's game and our post-game co-host has been Kenny Ducey. Our field engineer and producer has been Meryl Servin. Our studio engineer has been Bobby Goovin. Thanks to Fordham Sports Information Director Joe DeBarry and his staff for all of their assistance with the games. Next Saturday, one-on-one -on -one is back. Join us at 1 p.m. for New York's longest-running sports call-in show as we talk some Jets, some Giants, the baseball playoffs, and much more. It's all on at 1 o'clock on both 90.7 FM and WFUVsports.org. Until those times for Mike Watts and Nick Legerfo, Chris Morasco down on the sidelines, Pat Burns with the updates, our hardworking highlight supervisor Matt Morrow, and his highlight producer Sam Torres and Luke Palmer. This is Kelly Coltis. Have a great evening, everyone. Fordham Rams football is a production of WFUV Sports. And please stay tuned for Mixed Bag with Don McGee right here on 90.7 FM WFUV and WFUV.org. Second down and 11 coming from the 34th. Uh, Yale taking the snap and throwing it deep over the middle of the field for Ajala. Makes the catch in the end zone for the touchdown. 34 yards, and could this day get any better for King Ajala? 44-17, 4-12-28 to go in the fourth.